behind-the-scenes information on breaking news and more bold, inspired solutions for America. Live from the Hill, our very own Jamie Dupree with the latest news from D.C. All right, he's the most connected man in Washington, D.C., and we've got him, the man of the hour. And uh, I was very interested this weekend to... To watch Paul Ryan say, no, we can't trust this president. No, there's not going to be comprehensive immigration reform, because I know a lot of conservatives were concerned about his past position, especially on immigration. Uh, What is the buzz on the Hill since now he has become the new speaker? Yeah, the new sign is up there. It was uh, up Friday morning. In fact, when I came into the Capitol, Speaker of the House, Paul D. Ryan, you know, on immigration, he went out of his way last week, even before he was elected, to let other conservative lawmakers know that he was not going to push ahead with that. So uh, there were assurances that had been made to a number of uh, lawmakers, either in the Freedom Caucus or sort of on that side of the party. Yeah, I think for right now, Sean, there's a lot of Republicans who are giving him the benefit of the doubt. Yes, there were a few who did not vote for him to send a message. But I I think, uh, you know, we'll have to see because obviously waving the wand and putting in a new speaker is not going to just change everything. Not everybody is going to be on the same line strategically or, you know, when it comes to certain issues. But judging from what Ryan has done in his own shop there in the speaker's office, he has hired a whole bunch of communications type aides. And it tells me that he really wants to use this job to in a sense, orchestrate the message of the Republican Party. I think from his supporters, the feeling is there has been way too much infighting in recent years, and that has obscured what the GOP message can and should be. So look for Paul Ryan maybe to not only push ahead with legislation on a variety of things, but try to get the GOP back on track as to what it stands for and what it wants to do. He has promised regular order, and he has promised more access and more voices uh, given to people like the Freedom Caucus, that they're not going to be shut down and shut out. He's said that this has become too uh, internal. So, in other words, everything so far that the Freedom Caucus members told me that he promised them privately, he is now following through on. So we'll see how long it lasts. And if it does last, I would assume that, that things will go a little more smoothly. He's also promised them that he would fight. I think his first order of business, he said, though, is to fumigate the Speaker's office <laughs> because of all the smoking of Smoke Boehner. in there, yes. In fact, um, uh, Brendan Buck, who is the, uh, the chief communications um, director my understanding for, is that for Ryan, said that uh, uh, retweeted something today from some group that can help uh, remove smoky office odors within a few hours. I don't think so, there's such a thing. Look, I, I used to be a contractor, you know, and as I started as a house painter, I mean, you literally have to take what's called kills. And it used to be oil-based. Now it's water-based. I don't think it's anywhere near as good. And you could not paint a room without flying like high as a kite when you're done. And that is the only way you're going to get it off the walls. you got to rip out the carpets, rip out yeah. the drapes, rip out everything yep. and start all over. That's the only shot you got. It's been a big change in the time that I've been on the Hill because I remember where uh, Boehner used to hang out in the Speaker's lobby just off the floor of the house, and it was their little smoking corner. I mean, it was like going to a bar half the time you'd come out of there after a day at work because of all the guys who were sitting in there smoking. So certainly a big change having him gone. And, you know, we'll have to see. I, I, again, I think there will be a honeymoon for Paul Ryan, but... As we move into next year, you know, some of these same difficult issues are going to be there, and there's no easy solution. And, of course, if, if Republicans don't stick together, then it makes it that much more difficult for them to get their issues out. I mean, remember, like, uh, the, the Boehner tried to move a border security bill a number of months ago, and there was a revolt by sort of the Freedom Caucus guys because they felt like the bill didn't do enough. 
they were never able to get back to it because they were never able to come to an agreement on what exactly should be in that kind of bill to bring to the floor. So a lot of work still needs to be done. But Paul Ryan, now Speaker of the House. All right, let's go to the big story from over the weekend and remains today. And, and you and I both agree that these shockwaves over the CNBC debate will, will probably exist and be referenced to for decades to come now. Uh, but you have Republican candidates now pushing to take over direct negotiations. Now, I spoke with Ryan's previous. And he was very clear and said, no, we are involved in the process. He said, we don't want to get involved in whether or not there are opening statements, whether or not, you, ISIL, you know, whether or not you have this amount of time, that amount of time to, to answer. Uh, he, he said that's never been their role. Look, the, uh, the meeting yesterday was very unusual outside of D.C. at a hotel just across the river in Virginia of the different uh, representatives of the various presidential campaigns. You usually don't see something like that. But obviously, as we discussed last week, the anger uh, and the aftermath of the CNBC debate is there. I mean, the RNC tried on Friday uh, to sort of stem that by taking away a debate that had been set for NBC for next February. But that wasn't enough. And so the question is, how many of these demands of the Republicans will be honored by you know, sort of CNN, ABC, even Fox and others as we move forward. You know, some of them are little, like what the temperature of the room should be. Some of them are simple, like should you just get a, an opening statement of 30 seconds or, or, or 60 seconds to close or something like that. But others are a little more complicated. I mean, you know, you can say no gotcha questions, but again, one man's gotcha question is somebody else trying to find something out. And, you know, I, I still wonder if maybe the way the way we are headed in sort of this new media arena with the Internet and everything is, does the GOP at some point just do their own debate? It may, it may their evolve. own moderators. I think it may evolve into that. You know, it's not about a gotcha question, and I've watched the media characterize this. Not you, by the way. Well, and, no, yeah, but 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 Ben you know, Carson said that repeatedly. I'm using but, him. No, I understand. That's what he said. No, I know. I'm not. I'm not challenging you. I'm agreeing with you. The but but I think there's a big difference between a a gotcha question and John Harwood saying, well, that has a much as much chance as uh, as working as you flying out of this room. Talking to my friends up here on the Hill, I, I can speak for almost everybody. I, I think there's still just this, what was he doing last yeah. week? This just feeling of, why would you, as I told you on Thursday, that the idea that you start off by getting in Trump's face about his comic book presidential campaign, and then the arms flapping and everything, I, I mean, to me, it, it just what did you expect to get back from that? This is what I don't understand sometimes about my colleagues in the media, is if you are going to get in the face of somebody who is running for president, then do not act surprised when they hit you hard squarely between the eyes in response. Um, and, and sometimes I think that we are in the media not ready for that and you know what uh, everybody's got a different style my thought still is it's much better to give these guys time let them talk and sometimes they'll hang themselves just by their answers you know, it's it's more than that you know i actually got criticized when i was doing the one hour debates i uh, bet our one hour interviews on the days that these guys would announce number one it was jealousy on their part number two you know if somebody's going to announce jamie that they want to be the president of the united states and I bring up, okay, this is the current state of the economy. How are you going to fix that? I don't want to interrupt them after 20 seconds. I, I disagree with you. And some people criticize me because I let them lay out their vision. Oh, there's no, that's the terrible part about this, Sean, is that there's no right way to do it. And I don't care. You could be up there and somebody won't be happy. Even in, in, even in, in Republican circles, they won't be happy about how it's done. That's the thing that's so hard about this. And, you know, look, if you're looking for an infomercial, this is not really the right place for that. Yeah. Uh, but, um, but, but you we'll know see. what my thinking is on it, though, is somebody announces they want to run for president. I want to hear their vision. 
I want them to lay it out. I want to know where they stand on immigration and foreign policy. Yeah, did I ask them about past positions and votes and and their positions on immigration and whether or not they had in-state tuition breaks or driver's licenses for illegals? Yeah, I I would read 400 pages before I interviewed every candidate. But if you kind of let them speak, I think that benefits the audience. Just my old thought. No, I, I I would rather have them talk and then you zero in for a follow-up, which I always find is much more interesting. But again, uh, the CNBC thing certainly is going to have an impact. I don't know where this is going to lead or what changes we'll make. Uh, but remember, even after the first debate, uh, the original Fox debate in Cleveland, there were people within the party who were not pleased, not only with the Trump versus Megyn Kelly thing, but not pleased with some of the other questions as well. You know, um, I know the people that are doing the next debate, and I can't think of two better people than Neil Cavuto and Maria Bartiromo. And I bet you that this is going to be a debate about substance, especially as it relates to the economy, because it's a business channel. And and I just I know Neil. Neil asks hard questions. He asks short questions. And he, he usually gives you a chance. Short to answer. questions are the best. Yeah. They, they, by the way, not something I'm, I'm better known for. But you're right. They are the best. <laughs> they are because you don't give you never give a politician an easy out. If you give them a multi-layered question, they will take the easiest part of that question and go from there. You know, the funny thing is, I mean, and this is the little trick that these all these candidates use. You ask them a question and they, they say, let me go back to the last question. Yeah. Now, you can start arguing about whether or not they have to ask the, answer the question you asked, or you can just let them say whatever they're going to say, which is usually what they end up doing anyway. Yeah, and on those, uh, look, uh, what are politicians very good at? And I don't mean this as as being critical or anything, but they're good at saying what they want to say, not what you want them to say. No, that's all true. All right, so we've got the letter to the network, as you point out. I was a little bit surprised at, again, what's happening with the Jeb Bush campaign. He's trying to hit the reset button, which I think is great. And his uh, campaign with the Jeb Can Fix It tour and new poll numbers in New Hampshire out today show that even after spending millions, he really hasn't moved the needle in in the Granite State. No, there was a new Monmouth University poll, I think it was, in New Hampshire. And again, just looking at trends, everybody was sort of flat. It was Trump in the lead and Ben Carson number two, and then Rubio jumped the most in this poll. Now, who knows whether that's really where we are, but I thought it was interesting that he was the only one that seemingly had moved. But Bush, as you point out, has spent a lot of money there, and yet he hasn't really moved the needle and gone up. And and I, I do think, yes, he's getting a lot of attention here, but this next debate is going to be even more important for him because if he can't change the dynamic at all in these two debates within two weeks, then why is he going to change it over the next few months? I, I do think a lot of people here in D.C. are starting to wonder whether Marco Rubio and even Ted Cruz are starting to really sort of bubble up even more. Rubio was endorsed today by Senator Cory Gardner of Colorado, who was interesting just the other day out at Boulder. I was talking to him along with a number of other reporters and he waved us off when he we asked who he was going to endorse. He decided to come out for Rubio today. Uh, Rubio also got the big endorsement of a billionaire guy not that long uh, over the weekend after the last yep. debate. That was a big deal. Yeah, and, and again, uh, he just seems to be, he and Cruz seem to be drafting off of everybody else and in the best shape overall. I still think there was a poll out today that showed uh, the numbers getting much better in terms of approval-disapproval for Chris Christie. And I just sort of wonder if he still has one more run left in him. Maybe I'm wrong, but maybe in New Hampshire he's going to have another chance. We'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see on that. You know, has there been much talk among media circles? Because I've got to believe that if a Republican had done this, 
Did you see what was said on The View about Carly Fiorina? I did see the story, yes. You know, I've got to imagine that if that was any Republican commentator, it might be the end of their careers for crying out loud. But yet, it seems like it got very little play in my view. I don't know. I don't watch The View. I don't pay attention. I know a lot of other people do, but... It, it seems like if it's made it this far, and I've seen it in a lot of circles, it's getting attention. The Internet ensures that everything gets attention. So is it a quote-unquote mainstream media thing? I, I, I don't know. You will just have to see how it keeps going. When did it happen? Was it Friday? Yeah, it was like Thursday or Friday of last week. Well, it's like the Hillary email dump on Friday. Yeah. You know, it got a lot less attention because it was on a Friday than if it had been on a Tuesday or a Wednesday. Did you Sometimes see, yeah. you know, there's no uh, real answer for why certain things jump and other things do not. Did you uh, see Marco Rubio getting into this heated exchange saying that, yeah, Hillary lied and and poor, uh, what's his name, Charlie Rose couldn't believe Senator Rubio called Hillary a liar when in the hearings, what did we learn? She was telling Chelsea and the Libyan president and the Egyptian prime minister that it wasn't related to a YouTube video and it was a terror attack. And at the same time, she's telling the American people it was related to a YouTube video and not a terror attack. Look, I think that those moments for Marco Rubio are important on several levels. For one, I think they're an important signal to a lot of Republican voters and maybe even listeners to you know your program that it's not just going to be sort of he's not going to just paper stuff over, that he is going to go on the attack against Hillary Clinton. And I do think that that is a very important thing for him because uh, he'll be. I, I I do think the attacks, and we've seen them from Trump starting today, a lot of the attacks on Rubio will be, oh, well, he's an establishment kind of guy, which, of course, he really isn't. But that'll be what they'll try to characterize and pigeonhole him as. And, and I think that uh, he's uh, using that kind of thing to let people know that he's going to go on the attack and not just sort of be uh, lay back and, and see what happens against Hillary Clinton, that he's actually going to really try to go after her in the months ahead. All right, Jamie Dupree, the most connected man in Washington, sir. Thank you. 